1: Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Café. I'm Deacon Jeff sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Café. And actually, it's the French Catholic Café as we are here in Lourdes, France. And we are still on pilgrimage with the Order of Malta. And I'm joined again by Fr. Tom Mulligan, who Uh, promises not to leave in the middle of the show this time.
0: No, no, we're opening up the Café this morning. We're here first thing and um, getting ready for another busy day.
1: Yeah, exactly right. And we have a great guest, and it's uh, Jeff Campbell. And Jeff is a Knight of Malta in obedience. Uh, Jeff, welcome to the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. Thank you, Deacon Jeff. So, you know, I, I thought it's kind of interesting. I tell our listeners all the time that we're, we're sponsored by the Order of Malta Federal Association, that we come on pilgrimage. We've done this now four years in a row. And we always mention we're here with the Order of Malta in Lourdes, France, and we have our malads and our companions, and we have the knights and dames, and and then we bring on guests who are knights and dames. And I think I should stop now. It's probably a good time to stop and just remind folks at home who the Order of Malta is in the U.S. So I thought maybe we'd just spend a few minutes and talk about what it's all about. What does the Order of Malta do in the U.S.?
0: Well, because we're both a religious order and... uh, a sovereign entity, as well as a chivalric order, um, our, our work uh, is primarily dedicated to the poor and the sick in the United States, and also because there are so many needs in the Western Hemisphere, especially the Caribbean, uh, we do do a great deal of work in places such as Haiti and the Dominican Republic.
1: Right, So, uh, the, and the order from from what I've, I've discerned myself and just being associated uh, with, with the order is It just kind of works behind the scenes and just doing amazing things uh, for people in need.
0: Well, we, there, there are um, major groups in the United States, uh, Roman Catholic groups such as Catholic Relief Services and Caritas and others. We tend to specialize in disadvantaged people, primarily women and children. And we tend to uh, be in a disaster area, for example, for a long time, four or five years um, not not just the immediate disaster, but our goal is to get things back at least to where they were before a particular, whether it's hurricane, war, mm. earthquake, yeah, uh, it, it occurred. So you guys
1: are on the front lines. You you show up when uh, when bad things happen to try to make them as as tolerable and make them as good as possible uh, in that
2: situation.
0: Well, well, that's our goal. As you may know, there are three associations in the United States of the Order. One, one headquartered in New York. Uh, ours is headquartered in Washington and consists of about a thousand knights and dames. And it's primarily, uh, with some exceptions such as uh, Chicago and Hartford, Connecticut, and, and New York State, but primarily the south and, and the west up to the Rocky Mountains is, is the area that.
1: Okay, so that you, you, you cover all the territory, you got lots of folks uh, uh, hard at work. Now, another charism of the, of the order is to defend the church and defend the faith. Uh, in fact, this very ministry, the, the Catholic Cafe, is part of the Federal Association's effort to defend the faith. In other words, to evangelize, to teach, to live the faith in a way that demonstrates uh, the beauty and the treasure of our faith.
0: Well, we don't have, uh, like other Roman Catholic orders, uh, any St. Thomas Aquinas, Dominicans or any, but we don't have great theologians. And our defense of the faith primarily uh, springs from service to the sick and the poor. Right, Um, As as somebody once said, uh, you know, I guess it was Mother Teresa tries to see the face of of our Lord Jesus Christ in, in every person. And uh, one of our goals is to be sure that that person sees the face of Jesus Christ and us, looking back at them.
1: No, it's beautiful. And so, now, interestingly, though, I think when a lot of people, when I come to Lourdes, one of the things I notice is that it is truly—it's uh, international. Um, and in fact, when you when you come to Lourdes, you everyone's got an accent here, you know. And now they would look at me and say, "You've got an accent. You sound like you're I from." I think Lord. you have an accent, <laughs> the Asia, Yes. Wow. So uh, I don't deny that at all. Uh, but when I hear it, I, I I just can't help but think that this is really just a European thing and that, that the Americans kind of just sort of added on to it or, or whatever. I think it's probably an interesting story, uh, isn't it, that has something to do with uh, just how the, 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 the Americans uh, relate to the Europeans and where we fall in the pecking order or at least in the – um, uh, in the big scheme, like where, where where is our place in all of this?
0: Well, it's often been said that, you know, Americans left Europe and then have been in marriage counseling with the Europeans for the past <laughs> 300 years. And there's some truth to that, although there's certainly good people and we all get along. Oh, but, absolutely. But what, what is fascinating is the order itself, I think, is little known in the United States, but it has a deep, deep history in the Western Hemisphere. And, and when you think about it, uh, there are only two explorers that were Protestants, uh, Henry Hudson and Francis Drake. But every other of the list of great explorers, starting with Columbus, Cartier, La Salle, they're all Roman Catholic. And there's a reason for that. A- and that is that once in Europe, 500 years ago, they dis- discovered how to salt fish, uh, there was a great demand for fish on Fridays. And many of these explorers were not only looking for gold; they were looking for fish. And, and now, I didn't know that salted. I had no <laughs> idea. That's a good one. <laughs>
1: That's incredible. And you know, and I, and I do remember I went to public schools, and I do remember talking about all of these uh, gr- great explorers uh, discovering foreign lands which, and what. And I guess I knew that many of them were Catholic, but I kn- it was never presented that way. That's quite interesting uh, in our history.
0: And so the you know the Grand Banks of Newfoundland, they sort of creeped over, looking farther and farther for fish, and uh, there's a huge market for cod and uh, and herring and all these other things. So that's, uh, but the but the order itself, uh, the first uh, professed knight, uh, which is a friar, uh, you know somebody like uh, like myself. Fra- 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 that's Tom, right. So, but it
1: th- wasn't Fra Tom. He's not that old. <laughs> no, I'm not that <laughs> no, old.
0: But the first night to lead an expo- expedition to the Americas was as early as 1553. It was a, a man named Nicholas Durant. Yeah.
1: Nicholas Durant? Was yes. his name. Now, yeah. that's, that's amazing, because that's, that's way before I would have thought that, you know, I would have thought maybe the 1800s or something like that's when we started doing this stuff.
0: No, very early, and he was followed by a more famous knight uh, in the 1620s, actually 1627, which is Samuel de Champlain,
2: oh. for whom
0: Lake Champlain is named, and uh, he was a knight of Malta as well, and of course in Quebec or the Canadian area.
1: That's interesting, and and I didn't. So uh, now, when they when they were uh, exploring and discovering, and did they did they take their uh, uh, the, did they fly the Malta flag, or did they have their did – they, did they look like you do in those uh, s- uh, snappy uh, service uniforms Forms. there?
0: <laughs> I don't think so, although the Maltese Cross, which is very well known. Yes. Um, you can see it in Quebec, for example, as early as uh, 1637 right. uh, on buildings, and uh, they actually tried to establish a unit uh, there. And on the other end of our continent, uh, in the Caribbean, uh, the order owned uh, the islands of Saint Kitts and um, Saint Martin and Saint Croix, and as well as we get everyone's very uh, the you know Virgin Islands, Saint John, and that's named for our our patron saint, Saint John the Baptist. So, was name.
1: And that's interesting. I, again, this is it's woven into our history, isn't it?
0: Well, it is. It's interesting that um, although the uh, And so the order, with these islands, owned land uh, in in the Western Hemisphere, and eventually Denmark bought a lot of these islands and then sold them to the United States. So uh, the U.S. owns land that used to belong to the Order of Malta. Wow.
1: That's incredible. And so now... I mean, I almost want to say it, like, what happened next?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, one of the great things, relatively unknown, is the Order's uh, participation in the fight for American independence. Um, Over 14, at least we know, 14 knights who fought as officers. Uh, primarily with the French in, in the Revolutionary Army on the now, side. Of hold on, Jess.
1: Now, hold on, Jeff. Now, I've watched the Discovery Channel. I'm quite the expert on history now and the History Channel. I, I, I'm just kidding. But but I have, I've never seen anything related to uh, the Knights of Malta and our, our independence. Now, that's interesting. I didn't know that. They
0: did. The first Roman Catholic uh, chaplain uh, in George Washington's army was an Abbe uh, Eustache Chartier, uh, de Lotbiniere was his name—a big mouthful—but he was uh, <laughs> he was a chaplain in obedience of the Order of Malta, and he was the first Catholic chaplain in the U.S. Armed Forces during the Revolutionary War.
1: That's amazing. Were there yeah. others that were involved that we'd know?
0: Yeah, somebody uh, we really owe a lot to, and that's Admiral de Grasse was a Knight of Malta, and he is in his fleet, as you know, bottled up the British at Yorktown and made it possible for uh, for Washington to. Uh, starve them out and they surrendered so that's it and we even have a a a knight of justice again a friar who was an admiral in the french navy and uh, he died in newport rhode island and because there was no catholic church there he was buried with their great understanding in the episcopal cemetery of trinity church uh, where his tomb is there to this day as admiral de Tournay is his name and there's a big monument inside that very historic church with a Maltese cross on it dedicated. Now, see,
1: I've been there, and I, just, I guess I stepped right past it. Uh, there's so mm-hmm. much to see when you're there, especially in that little cemetery, you know, so close to the Twin mm-hmm. Towers and, and that whole experience. And I guess I was wrapped up in, in, in looking at that as they were building this new Freedom Tower thing. And, and, uh, and so there, again, woven into our history, there, here's the Order of Malta. And,
0: and and Deacon Jeff, the U.S. was so grateful um, that uh, when the war ended, Congress uh, issued a silver medal to the Grand Master at the time, whose name was Emmanuel de Rohan, and uh, Benjamin Franklin delivered it to him uh, when the war was over in 1783.
1: So here's Ben Franklin now. Yeah, I'm so I, I, I'm looking this is all really notes. interesting <laughs> I know well we are going to stop for a second uh, because we're going to take a pause here but I want to remind folks uh, at home that we have a wonderful website www.thecatholiccafe.com also I would love for you to uh, email me send me a, an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com and if you have any interesting stories about Malta and our history I'm sure Jeff Kim would love to add them to this list but just don't send any more of these French names I'm hoping that we're going to start getting into English names here pretty soon but but we'll see what we do on the other side of this break. We'll be right back.
2: I'm Besterzemski, and this is another great moment in church history. Jesus calls us to love those who need it most. The hungry, the naked, the stranger, the sick, and even those in prison. In the Gospel of Matthew, he reminds us, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. St. Joseph Cavasso took that calling to heart. St. Joseph was born in Italy in 1811 with a deformed spine that left him short in stature and crippled his entire life. He felt a calling to the priesthood and was ordained in Turin, Italy in 1833. He was constantly plagued with complications from his medical condition, but he united the pain and suffering he felt with that of Christ's suffering on the cross. He never let it deter him from his calling to serve as a priest in Christ's one church. Remembering Jesus' call to visit those in prison, St. Joseph decided to focus the full attention of his ministry not only on reforming the prison conditions in Italy, but reforming the prisoners as well. He spent endless hours ministering to the prisoners. Writing about St. Joseph Cavasso, his friend, St. John Bosco, said, A single word from him, a look, a smile, his very presence, sufficed to dispel melancholy, drive away temptation, and produce holy resolution in the soul. St. Joseph spent much of his time on death row. His peaceful, spiritual demeanor led many a condemned prisoner to seek a closer relationship with our Savior, Jesus Christ, and many were converted to the Catholic faith. Once, he accompanied 16 newly baptized prisoners to the gallows. Because they were put to death shortly after having been welcomed into the church, confessing their sins and receiving absolution, St. Joseph referred to them as hanged saints. He truly loved these prisoners, and in doing so, he truly loved Christ. St. Joseph told us, We are born to love, we live to love, and we will die to love still more. Because of his work in the prisons and his constant devotion to those condemned, he was known throughout the land as the priest of the gallows. St. Joseph Cavasso died in 1860 from pneumonia and conditions related to his birth defects. He was canonized by Pope Pius XII in 1947. Patron saint of those condemned to die, his feast day is celebrated by the Universal Church on January 23rd. I'm Best Drozimski, and this is another great moment in church history.
1: Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the French Catholic Cafe here with Jeff Gamble, president of the Federal Association. Um, of the order of malta uh, in the u.s. and uh, we are just we were just into all of this deep history stuff which was fantastic like i said i've never seen any of these things on the on the shows on the history channel as as much of an expert as i am on history now because of that but uh and also uh, we didn't cover that in public school either so it's interesting to see here's some of these these tidbits and you were just now about to tell us about the secret handshake in the Order of Monks. I'm kidding. That's the just- yes. <laughs> joke. There probably yes. is one. No, a, no, we don't have a secret handshake, either.
0: but there are sacred monkeys. Yeah. You know, so. <laughs>
1: right. Well, what, what I love is that this uh, I, the, the the order is just totally taken um, out of the realm of some kind of secret organization, and, and and yet it's 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 so pronounced and profoundly effective at what it does not only throughout the U.S., but in the world. We'll talk about that in a minute. But what we really ought to do is let's uh, launch ourselves out of the the ancient past. (laughs) And for America, that means in the 1800s, right? And let's come into the 20th century. and, And how did the order really develop? Uh, in the U.S., as we see it today, where did that? How did that happen? It
0: it um, it, it came to life really organizationally in 1926 under the uh, auspices of uh, Cardinal Hayes in New York and Cardinal O'Connell of Boston. I uh, see these are
1: uh, these are English names that I can pronounce. There's yeah, no yeah. more these French right, names. We're yeah. getting the Irish and English <laughs> now.
0: And uh, they uh, they had wanted the order to be established, and one of the the first officers was John Raskob, who was a financier, a very uh, very successful financier. And in fact, he built the Empire State Building, and he was the first treasurer of our order in the United wow. States. So. And then we expanded in 1952 because it was so far away. They established an association west of the Rockies in San Francisco called the Western Association. Okay. And then in 1974, uh, we established the Southern Association, and its name was changed to the Federal thereafter pretty quickly. But we now have about 3,100 knights and dames, and, it, and the order is open to women as well as men. Uh, in everything but the first class, which are the friars who, are, who take vows of poverty, chastity, obedience. That's only men. Um, although the order in Spain actually does have an order of nuns, which would be the comparable to, right. to religious. Well, you, you see men. that when you
1: come to Lourdes and you see this international uh, uh, conglomeration of knights and dames. And you see so many uh, dames uh, working Uh, tirelessly alongside of the Knights and how beautiful that is.
0: Yes, and we've had a president of our association was a dame, a woman. um, So they, uh, they participate, our vice president and and commander, which is the word we use for somebody responsible for vocations and 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 defense of the faith, is a woman. So, I mean, they they participate at every level. In well, fact, wouldn't you even say that uh, we don't get anything done unless we have the women because they seem to know how to get the men to do these things? I, <laughs> I, I, I couldn't agree more, top
1: No, exactly right. And I I think it's uh, uh, it's interesting to see that the order is is just really good at getting things done. And and that's one of the things that's uh, unique and remarkable, I think, about the order, in that so often we see that, into, let's say, just say disaster strikes in some particular remote part of the world or even right next door, and, and and then all of a sudden red tape and bureaucracy sets in, and it's just so difficult to get simple things like water or something to somewhere that where they need it. And you think if they could have just... Uh, taken care of this if, if, if the government had, hadn't gotten in the way or if these other groups hadn't been. And, and I think that the uh, the Order of Malta is sort of uniquely positioned, isn't it, uh, organized in a way that that it can affe- effectively and efficiently m- move to disasters and help.
0: Well, well yes, we um, are strictly uh, nonpartisan, nonsectarian when it comes to uh, aid, and we are apolitical around the world. And it's, um, that's a bit of a challenge sometimes because of our hist- our long history our 900 year history with the crusaders and others but uh, in this day and age we are and we unlike other groups that either they have to ally themselves with a particular religious entity like a diocese overseas or a political entity the, the local government which may have other priorities and sometimes is even corrupt we get to pick and choose our partners um, for example uh, in the tsunami in India, uh, we uh, allied ourselves with a church of South India, which is the Anglican church there. Oh, okay. And uh, Gujarat, which is uh, had major earthquakes. It's the, uh, it's the side of India. If you look at the map, it's on the left-hand side, up by Pakistan. And there we allied ourselves with a Muslim group because they were the most honest and efficient deliverers of, of aid.
1: Well, and that's interesting because I, I think that's beautiful because... It was an opportunity, again, as we've talked about in terms of, like, uh, living a vocation or living out a life um, of, of a life of Christ and, and allowing people to see Christ in us and we see Christ in others. That's an opportunity to, to evangelize, essentially, without proselytizing.
0: Uh, exactly. I mean, and that's really the key to our, our modus vivendi way of, of living. I will say this, too. We've also partnered. with the U.S. government. And one of the people, one of our biggest fans was President Reagan. And uh, he uh, was given our highest award in 1988. But we work with USAID and other groups where the U.S. has had trouble getting uh, aid or food in. And uh, uh, probably, well, I'm just trying to recall an example of that was the typhoon in the Irrawaddy Delta in uh, Myanmar or Burma. And uh, the generals there would not permit uh, the U.S. uh, and other groups, Germany, to give aid. And uh, we have a refugee camp there, and so they... They trusted the order. Right. And so we, we, we unfortunately, and, and I, this is a great credit to the United States, we had to spray over where it said gift of the United States because they wanted stenciled in in Burmese gift of the generals. And the U.S. government, to its great credit, said, we would rather they have the food they need than for us to get the credit. But it was the order that, that basically did all of that on the ground,
1: hands-on. Now, is this something that... Um you, you find that, uh, that that has great effect on uh, on these populations. Do they know it's the order having anything to do with coming in and helping them? To, do, does the order identify itself, or is this done in a way where people say, oh, look, it's the Order of Malta. They've come to save us.
0: Well, that's a good question. We, we tend to try to uh, engage in Christian humility. I mean, there are places in the world like Indonesia in Banda Aceh province where we had to spray paint out the crosses on the boats we were giving them because they're Muslim and they were uncomfortable with that. And so we do it. We're, we're more interested in, in really uh, – I, I guess the best example I could think of is we fought for almost uh, 500 years Muslims, the Turkish uh, Empire right. – and today we run a hospital in Bethlehem, uh, an OBGYN maternity hospital, Holy Family Hospital, and it serves exclusively Muslims and Bedouins. And so we, we, we think that over time, sometimes loving one's enemy takes a great deal of time, but it's a wonderful thing to do.
1: Well, I'm just, again, I, I, it's remarkable that you would have this uh, this idea that you'd be able to go and work and be hand in hand with people and and, and uh, helping people out of bad situations uh, and how powerful that is and especially in evangelizing and just allowing people to see Christ in you—that's uh, a beautiful way to do it. Without uh, it's putting you right in the fore, right there in the middle of uh, where where Christ is most needed, and maybe as you know, Christ comes to us disguised as bread and wine you know as Catholics we we understand um the beauty of the eucharist and, and yet you become eucharist for these people that you, Christ in disguise as you go in uh to be with these people and how powerful that is and allows Christ to work in their lives without them even knowing that's what's going on. Well, well we
0: try to be and you know, we don't always succeed but that's that's our goal and so uh, we're wonderfully unencumbered i think by uh, by by too much theology and it's uh and,
1: and, and uh, you, you Lord, don't disavow any of the theology, right? You, no, don't, no. you don't, right? Or you no, live no. it. Uh, we we try
0: to live it. We certainly don't disavow it at all. A- in a way, we try and see Christ in the other person, right? Um, and it becomes easier to do the more good things that you are able to do for the other person. And I don't think we're standing there waiting to see uh, what is our reward. What can we do next? Seems to be the um, the mission.
1: Uh, that's awesome, and that's what I love about the order. And I will say that I imagine there's someone listening right now thinking, well, I want to get involved somehow or or support or maybe just read more about or find out more about what the Order of Malta is doing uh, in the U.S. But then also uh, elsewhere, how does one go about doing that? Where can they go and – find well, more information.
0: In this day and age, the easiest is the internet and uh, Order of Malta, Federal com. Also, the order itself has a site. And the third group is our disaster relief arm, Malteser International, uh, dot com, and it's easily searchable. And comes yeah, up. If,
1: you don't, if you don't know those addresses, you can just Google. Just Google it. Yeah, uh, uh, Order of Malta, uh, Federal Association, or Order of Malta, you're going to find a vast number of resources. Now, so what what kind of folks are you looking for to, uh, to become Knights and Dames? I mean, who, what, or who are the kind of people that well, you engage?
0: It's, it's not only Knights and Dames. We're looking for people. We have an auxiliary group, and we have uh, people support. Uh, and, and this is one area we would really like to model on Europe. Um, in France, for example, uh, they, they have maybe 500 Knights and Dames. But since 1985, they now have 226,000 people a majority of whom are not even Catholic, who give to the works. And, and the order in France, for example, has uh, barges on the uh, on the Seine where they, they house the homeless, uh, three barges, and uh, the, the homeless are there. They're allowed to live for a year while they get back on their feet. They run uh, leprosy uh, communities in, in South India. And so these projects serve everybody, and we 'd like everybody to uh, help us participate in various ways uh, to be a knight or dame because it is the order is a religious order. Uh, one has to be a Roman Catholic, but uh, to to help us uh, to be an auxiliary, to be a supporter, to be a companion. Uh, we don't require there's no religious test we're just looking for good people with good and hearts good Christians and who are willing to, to
1: pitch in yes wonderful so great great opportunities uh, Jeff Gamble thank you so much for spending time with us here at the uh, luxurious corner booth at the Catholic Cafe here in uh, our French Catholic Cafe yes thank you well I'll tell you what since we're in Lourdes called by Our Lady to be here we should offer a prayer ask for her intercession let's do that to close our program in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit Amen, Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. With thee. Blessed art thou among women, and, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary,
0: Mother, Mother of God, pray, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour, hour of our death. death. Amen. Amen.
1: In the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to the Catholic Cafe.